It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hey, 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 and hi, and welcome to the Speedway Show. Today is the day we get to talk about the keys to the mysteries of life. Six. Secrets to happiness. Are you ready? Are you with me? Are you excited about this conversation we are going to have today? Yes, yes, indeed. This is the conversation we're going to peel into and we're going to, oh, yes, we're going to have a good time today, Jack. How often have you looked at someone else's life and thought, wow, How nice it must be to be him. If only I had her looks, I would. If only I had her job, I could. Boy, if only I could move into that bigger house, man, it would be so awesome. I get that all the time. People say to me, it's a funny thing. Um, People say to me all the time, you are so lucky. So when when I was married... People used to say to me, oh, you're so lucky, look at you, you've got the perfect husband, you've got the perfect house in the suburbs, you got the dog, you may not have the picket fence, but you got the invisible fence, close enough. You have two gorgeous children, and wow, your husband sings, woo-wee, does he sing to you? I bet he sings to you all the time, how amazing. Now, he didn't sing to me all the time, in fact, he hardly ever sang to me at all, Um, but People assumed all sorts of things because it looked like the perfect life, right? And then when, after I got divorced, people looked at me and they said, Wow, look at you. Aren't you lucky? You have it all. You have the freedom. Uh, you, You have the benefit of having children who are young and fun, and yet their dad keeps them half the time, so you have the freedom to just play like a single woman at a time in your life when you've got the income to just do the stuff you want to do, how fortunate you are. You have this beautiful house in the suburbs, the picket fence. You could have had a dog if you hadn't put it up for adoption. Still got the invisible fence. You drive this really nice car. You have this amazing job. You travel all over the world. Wow! Must be nice, right? So the interesting thing is in both Life circumstances, there were people who said that. Before I got married, when I was still single and practicing law, wow, you're a lawyer, must be nice. How fabulous. You must have a Mercedes. Where is your big house in the hill? You're a lawyer and you litigate, ooh, you prostitute, thieves, and, uh, oh, you're a defense lawyer. Oh, okay, so you defend the righteous and, and, and some guilty people too. Wow, that must be such an exciting life. How nice for you, right? Now, I'm the same person through all three of those life stages. And at all three of those life stages, there's always somebody who thought I had this amazing life. And I'm not saying I didn't, but what I am saying is, no matter what your life circumstance is, there will always be someone who's better off than you, who's not as well off as you, And there will always be someone who looks at you with admiration and thinks, oh, my goodness, what an amazing life you had. 
So for if you are the person who's sitting there thinking, oh, if only I had her looks, I would. Oh, how nice it must be to be that guy. Wow, how lovely it would be if I could only have. What I would tell you is that actually consider this. You are where someone else wants to be. Yours is the greener grass, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Happiness, happiness, happiness. Six secrets to happiness. Accept that your happiness is your responsibility. That is the first thing I'll tell you. And, oh, by the way, speaking of that greener grass, I did a show previously called Yours is the Greener Grass. And the two actually kind of go hand in hand because I, I, I tackled a lot of those things, um, uh, the, the green grass issues in that show. So if you haven't listened to it, visit com or com. You can also catch all of the episodes on iTunes. And if you're thinking, well, why would I go to iTunes instead of com? By the way, little known fact, the website only carries the last 12 months of shows. The iTunes podcast carries all of them, and they're free. So you can download all of them for free so you can see all of the shows that have ever been published since the show has been running. Some very cool stuff back there. So I did the show about the greener grass. And um, therefore, I would say to you that since yours is the greener grass, accept the fact that to somebody else, you are the most fortunate, luckiest person in the world. Isn't that an interesting thought, especially if you think exactly the opposite? So I'm going to give you the six secrets following on, assuming that, you know, you've already listened to the show, Yours is the Greener Graph, and even if you're not feeling like it is, let me give you the secrets to how you get happy and how you stay happy. Number one. Accept that your happiness is your responsibility. In other words, happiness is not something that happens to you. It's a choice that you have to make. Did you hear me? It's a choice that you have to make. Make the choice that you're going to be happy. Don't blame other people. If you make the choice, And if you take the responsibility, that means you don't get to blame it on somebody else. You don't get to blame your unhappiness on your kids. You don't get to blame your unhappiness on your spouse. You don't get to blame your unhappiness on your coworkers. You don't get to blame it on God. These are some of the most... um, These are some of the most common scapegoats when people are unhappy, right? God hates me because God has allowed this and that and the other thing to happen in my life. God hates me. He he took away somebody that I love, and, you know, it's God's fault that I'm not happy, right? My spouse is horrible. You have no idea how horrible my spouse is, and they are the source of my unhappiness. My coworker, man, I just hate her. Every time I go into the office, she is just the bane of my existence. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. If only I could have if I could if I could send her off to another department, then I would be happy. My children, well, you don't have teenagers, Speedway. That's why you think that kids are not the source of misery cuz if you did, then you would understand. I don't care who you blame your unhappiness on. What I can tell you is it is your choice to be happy no matter what the circumstance. If 
you find that one person who's going through bankruptcy, who's getting divorced, and they still get to, they still are able to come to work and be happy and smile and laugh and giggle with people, then you will recognize that the things that are external to you, the things that happen outside of you, do not have to dictate whether or not you are happy. Happy is where you are right now. I will give you a couple of examples. Uh, let's think of people who have overcome obstacles because they have just chosen to do it. Um, common examples, famous examples, Helen Keller. Helen Keller was a renowned, world-famous American author, political activist, and lecturer. She was the first deaf and blind person to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree ever. She was a prolific author. She was well-traveled and outspoken in her convictions. A member of the Socialist Party of America and the Industrial Workers of the World, she campaigned for women's suffrage, labor rights, socialism, and other causes that were considered to be incredibly radical in her time. Um, in 1971, Helen Keller was inducted into the Alabama Women's Hall of Fame in 1971. So let me ask you, how does your situation compare to Helen Keller's? Are you deaf? Are you blind? If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to guess that at a minimum, you are not both. Okay, so that's Helen Keller. Let's think about another very famous example. Um, let's see. Uh, tell me if you remember a song that goes something like this. All right. Charles, you are exactly correct. That is Ray Charles. What do we know about Ray Charles? He was the father and pioneer of what we know as soul music during the 1950s. He did it by fusing rhythm and blues, gospel and blues styles into his early recordings with Atlantic Records. Not only was he a phenomenal musician, but Ray Charles also helped racially integrate country and pop music during the 1960s with his crossover success on ABC Records. While with ABC, Ray Charles also became one of the first African-American musicians to be given artistic control by a mainstream record company. Frank Sinatra called Ray Charles the only true genius in show business. And yes, as some of you, many of you know, by age seven, Ray Charles had completely lost his eyesight. 
So, how do you compare to Ray Charles? Can you see? Gee, let's think about that. Now, who else can we look at in the music uh, industry who had a huge impact on music? What about this? Tell me if this sounds familiar. Most of you, in fact, all of you should have heard this melody before. sounds like Ludwig van Beethoven, you would be exactly right. Born in 1770, German composer and pianist Ludwig van Beethoven was only on this earth for 57 years. And in that time, he managed to become, and he remains to this day, one of the most famous and influential composers of all time a crucial figure in the transition between the classical and romantic eras in Western art music, he began going deaf in 1800. Can you imagine how devastating it would have been for a musician, a classical pianist, a musician, composer like Beethoven to go deaf? Can you imagine? And yet, he lived another 27 years after that, and most, of his most significant compositions came from that period in his life when he was hard of hearing. That particular symphony, for Elise, was composed in 1810. That was 10 years after he started losing his hearing. He was all by, but deaf by then. Now imagine how different the world of classical music, indeed, the world of music, uh, would have been today if Beethoven had simply sunk into a stupor of depression and stopped composing when he realized that he was going to lose his hearing. Another example. One of the things that I encourage people to do is live by a standard, and I like to call it the life manual because uh, life manuals teach you how to live your life, how to uh, what things to avoid, and uh, how to maximize the effectiveness of your life, and they give you troubleshooting guidelines if you run your life off into a ditch, just like a regular product manual would. And my life manual happens to be the Bible. I have some friends who read the Bhagavad Gita. I have some friends who read the Quran, and uh, that's why I call it a life manual because even though you can, and you can go to any place virtually that talks about religion, and they will tell you all about why their religion is the best and yours is the worst one and why you should follow them. Uh, the Spirit Show is not the place for that. Because that ground is so well covered, my view is God created us all. 
And uh, according to my life manual, the Bible, actually there is an explanation for why we all have different languages, different cultures, uh, and it happened at the Tower of Babel. And so I am not going to stand in judgment of somebody else's religion because I can't get my head around how God would create all of us and make us all so different and uh, not make sure that the same values are hurt. And actually, if you read parts of, and I am not a religious scholar, but I have just noticed that if you read parts of the Quran, if you read parts of the Bhagavad Gita, um, they have some startlingly similar concepts of truth when it comes to how to live and how to treat other people. In fact, you can find all Ten Commandments in the Quran. You can find Abraham and Moses in the Quran. Go figure. So anyway, all that to say, uh, let's take a look at my life manual for an example, since I read the Bible and I know it best. That's where I like to get my examples. There is an apostle by the name of Paul. Those of you who are uh, Christians will know Paul as the guy who was rebuked and blinded by God himself. Even after his conversation, after his conversion to what we conventionally call Christianity today, he survived a bite from a poisonous snake. He appears to have suffered from some sort of chronic pain that God declined to heal. He was in prison for what some scholars estimate to be about five and a half to six years. While he was in prison, not only did he convert some of the guards who were his captors, but he wrote many of the letters that are now part of the New Testament, like the letters to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, to the Colossians, Philemon, and Second Timothy. Now, think about your situation. We've already established that, gee, uh, you know, those who have been deaf and blind and dumb uh, still managed to find enough joy and enough motivation to do absolutely amazing things. Uh, so how were you? Have you been bitten by a poisonous snake and survived? Did God strike you blind, so angry with uh, you? Was he? In fact, I don't know if he was really angry as much as he wanted to make a point. Um, did God struck you, strike you blind or deaf or dumb or mute? Because there are other people who uh, God did that to in the Bible. Um, did you? Uh, get tossed in prison for five, six years. Because I can tell you what, if I was sitting in prison for five or six years, I certainly would not be optimistic. I'd probably really have to look for that joy. And um, let's look at some of the things that Paul talked about when he was sitting in when he was sitting in prison. Uh, in Philippians three, he says. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Wow! Now, that was a wow for me because I'm like, okay, so he's sitting in prison and he's talking about how joyful he is. And he's thinking about and praying for other people. If I were in prison, I'd be thinking about myself. I'd be praying for me. Lord, get me out of here. And maybe you'd be making like Job. If you read the book of Job, you know, Job is one of the people in the Bible who everybody, you know, a lot of pastors and preachers talk about because God took everything away from him and he still loved God. 
And uh, but but what you don't hear a lot about is the fact that he complained the whole time. I mean, he had a royal pity party that Joe, and he did everything, and and he did everything but curse God and die, which is what his wife suggested. And uh, he he went all the way so far as demanding that God Himself come down and explain what the righteous Job had done to deserve this horrible treatment. I mean, that guy had some guts. But now Paul. And uh, the other thing that Paul did was, you know, he made very good use of his time in prison because he goes on to say in Philippians 12, Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This is the palace guard. These are the people who are guarding him, folks. He is converting people in prison. You talk about making good use of your time. So all that to say, now let's just go back to your life. I'm not asking you to get yourself tossed into prison so you can save the guards. I'm not asking you to compose a sonnet or start marching around the Capitol with a banner for some cause. I'm just saying that if people can achieve such amazing things while they are in prison after near-death encounters, blind and deaf, then surely you can be happy in your current circumstance. I'm also saying that whatever your circumstance is, it is not an excuse for you to wallow in whatever misery you have created for yourself. And if your immediate response to that last comment is, oh, but you don't know, Speedway, the kind of kids I have and the kind of mother-in-law that I have, let me direct you to secret of happiness number one. Don't blame others for your unhappiness. Remember, accept that your happiness is your responsibility. This takes us to, okay, so that was one, and that was uh, two. Uh, two was, was that all one? Oh, my goodness, that was a long one. Let's go on to two. Uh, gauge your happiness equilibrium. Here's how this works. Are you generally happy in your own natural habitat? Are you happy with the level of your happiness equilibrium? The concept of the equilibrium goes like this. By yourself in your natural habitat on a, on a regular day, there is a level of happiness that you will achieve. If a great thing happens in your day, you're going to spike up in happiness and you're going to come back, though, to your equilibrium. If something big happens, you buy a new car, you get married, uh, you get a job promotion, you might stay up there on that spiked place for a while, but you're always going to come back to your happiness equilibrium, that place where you regularly live. If something bad happens to you, you lose a parent, you, you lose a child, you lose your job, um, you get divorced, you, uh, you, know, you get into a car accident, you might go down. Your happiness equilibrium might go down, and it might stay down there in a valley for a while, but sooner or later it's going to come back up. So figure out where you and your natural habitat, because remember, your happiness is your responsibility because it's something that is inherent to you. Where is your natural equilibrium? Figure out what that is and decide if you're happy with it. If you're happy with it, great. If you're not happy with it, then you need to figure out a way of changing that equilibrium, and it's not going to come with buying things, with external 
forces with other people making you happy. It's something you have to do from inside yourself, from within. This takes us to secret number three. Happiness comes when you do things for others. What are you doing for others? Uh, there are two things, uh, that two forms that your consideration and love for others should take. Uh, I will tell you that 10% of your money should be going to others. If you are a Christian, you should be tithing 10% of your income to your local church, whatever that is. Uh, if you are not a Christian, listen to... Um, uh, if you listen to the teachings of very successful, wealthy people uh, who don't necessarily claim to be Christians, um, um, oh, let me think of examples. Uh, Bill Gates, the Gates Foundation, gives money to all sorts of people. I don't know if Bill Gates is a Christian or not. I've never heard him talk about it, um, but yet he gives money anyway. Uh, let's see, Jack Welch, Jack Welch. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. I've never heard him talk about it. But yet, he too advocates giving some of your money, some of your wealth, whatever level of wealth you have, to others. So you can't get off by saying, well, gee, I don't believe in God. And, and since the Bible, your life manual says I should be giving 10%, I'm not going to. Because actually, this is a principle that works and is true whether or not you are a Christian. Give of your money. The other thing that you do is choose to love. And I'm talking about love the verb, not love the feeling. Choose to act towards others with love. Give of your money. And the other thing that you give is your time. Volunteer your time. Clean, go clean up somebody else's home. At church, we have a volunteer day where we get to have either people come to your house and they volunteer to do stuff for you if you uh, have a hard time getting around or doing things for yourself. Oh, and consequently, that means there are people who have to volunteer. So we get to volunteer to go help other people do things. Go volunteer. Um, even if all you do is you greet at your church or at a function uh, that uh, somebody else is hosting, help someone get a business going. Sit on a board and uh, help a business get to where it needs to, to, to be. Spontaneously invite your neighbors over. Hang out with a friend you haven't seen in a while. Give of your money and give of your time. You will be amazed at how much more grateful for your own circumstance you will be when you listen and help other people who are less fortunate for, for, than you in whatever way. So that's one way. This takes us to secret of happiness number four. Be interested in what's around you. Uh, get some hobbies going. And, and these are not hobbies that depend on other people, things that are just of interest to you. You may share those things with other people, but get interested and do things. I have a girlfriend who, um, my, 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 one of my best friends, Renee, who um, got into uh, running after her husband passed away. And it's a hobby that, that has really given her fulfillment and that has also given her access to an entire group of like-minded people and they go running together and she's having the time of her life. When I bought my Harley Davidson motorcycle, I got with it not just the bike, not just the cool gear, but I got a whole social community of riders who love to ride. And I went riding with people, and we'd go riding around the Twin Cities, and uh, we went to Wisconsin, and we had a blast. It was great. And uh, that was something I just got to do, tap into a bunch of other people who like to do the same things you do. Um, 
get interested in things around your home. Do some gardening, do some cleaning, do some grilling. Um, I, you know, have learned how to garden since I've had a house that I have uh, had to learn to maintain by myself. It's been incredibly rewarding. I have, uh, this year, I'm turning my attention to the grill. I've got the super-duper grill that sits outside, and I haven't really used it very much over the past couple of years. And this year I decided, okay, I'm going to get good at grilling. And so I did, uh, in fact, my first grill experience a couple of weeks ago, and it was phenomenal. went very well. I also picked up uh, spinning, which is, uh, is also cycling. I picked up cycling. I rode a 50-mile marathon, had a blast. It hurt like crazy. And uh, I actually did a show on it uh, called Cycle 50 Miles Every Day. So if you haven't listened to that show, visit com or com, and it will be there. You can also pick it up on the podcast. But um, there are all sorts of things. I like to blog. I like to read. I like to write. I'm working on two books. All sorts of things you can do to keep yourself entertained and doing healthy, um, fulfilling things that exercise your mind, exercise your body. I like to go and work out at least three times a week, and uh, I've got the I've got the I've got the biceps to prove it. Um, all of these things add to your joy and your happiness. In fact, especially if you do physical exercise, that releases endorphins and uh, they actually make you feel good. So those are things that you can do to make yourself, uh, you know, just naturally add to your equilibrium. Uh, number five, tap into the source of your happiness. This one, I'm just going to tell you, in my view, there is no other source of ever uh, continuous uh, ever, ever new joy, uh, a joy that never leaves, a joy you can tap into. You know, treat your happiness kind of like a gas tank. Uh, every so often, you got to go back and you got to be filled. And my best source of happiness is not buying new things. It's not acquiring stuff. It comes from within. Uh, in the book of Luke, I think it was, Jesus said to the disciples, you know, do not be fooled when they asked him about the second coming. He said, don't be fooled by people who say, you know, lo here, lo there, because the kingdom of God is within you. And I would I would use that example to say happiness is the same thing. Don't pay attention to those commercials that say, you know, buy this car, uh, buy this dress, you know, date this woman, and you too will be happier. No, don't, but don't, don't fall for that. Because happiness comes from within. Hang out with your dad in prayer and meditation regularly. Go to church. Do the things of God. Um, if you're a Muslim, you believe in God. If you are a Hindu, you believe in God. If you are a Christian, you believe in God. And here's a newsflash. He's all the same. Uh, whether you call him Allah, whether you call him God, whether you call him whatever you call him, uh, God is God, and most major religions actually believe in the same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So spend time with God, and uh, it might sound corny, but let me tell you, it works. Um, hang out with him in prayer and meditation. What's the difference? Prayer is you talking to God. God, I want. God, I need. God, I had a horrible day. Meditation is God's opportunity to talk to you. Sit in silence. Work. It takes work. But you can do it. You can sit in silence and just focus on God. And you might have a mantra to keep you focused. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Now, you're going to get distracted, and um, it's going to take practice. But you sit with your God regularly, and you will see what happens to your... That is the best way of changing 
the thermostat on your equilibrium, on that standard level of joy and happiness that you have. Takes me to the last point, point number six. Choose to be happy where you are right now. Whether your job sucks, whether you have rotten kids, whether you think God hates you, whether you hate your spouse or your in-laws or anybody else in your family, whether you have health issues, whether you have cancer, you can be happy where you are right now. If blind people can find it within themselves to get over whatever it is that holds them back, if all those people with all of those things and those are just three people I picked, you can think of people all throughout history who have overcome all kinds of disadvantages, financial, social, physical, um, in order to achieve. And part of what you have to do is you have to have a happiness equilibrium and, and a sense of optimism that says, I don't care that I've got this going on in my life. I can do better, and I can achieve, and I can be successful, and I can do the things that I want to do. So you be happy where you are right this minute. You will be amazed at how the people around you can and will change when you are happier and treat them with joy and love and respect whether they deserve it or not. You will be surprised how much more you will appreciate your life when you start helping others and hearing the stories of those who have less than you. You will be surprised at how many more friends you will have when you start thinking about them more than you think about yourself, thinking about how you can be a gift and a servant to the people around you. That is what you can do, and those are my six secrets of happiness. So to recap, number one, accept that your happiness is your responsibility. Number two, gauge your happiness equilibrium in your natural habitat. Number three, what are you doing for others? Do things for others in your time and in your money. Number four, be interested in what's around you. Get some hobbies going. Get Do things around your home. Do things around that don't cost anything, but just pick up and be interested in life. Number five, tap into the source. God, 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 ever, ever new joy will be yours if you tap into that source. And um, number six, choose to be happy right where you are right now. These are all of the six secrets of happiness that if you follow these things, you will find that you will make a positive and meaningful difference to your happiness equilibrium. And so with that, this is the U.S. saying, go in peace and embrace the joy and be happy. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.